Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Shoot the Shit. Uh, this week, really exciting to get really excited to get into the story of Fishing Club, aka Sword of Pika, and how everything really came together for a season that wasn't uh, some of the main players here who made that year possible uh, joining me. So go ahead and just want to take a chance and introduce yourselves. Um, I'm David Power. I was uh, chairman during the uh, period in question. I'm Gabe Renna, and I was a pusher and a mechanic during this period. Charlie Aguilar, and I was a mechanic that year as well. I am Willie Clark. I was uh, a pusher that year that ended up not pushing um, on race day and then was push captain and sweepstakes in my later buggy career. Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you all for joining um really interested to hear you know some of the behind the scenes on this one um so i guess kind of just you know going back to the start when you know we don't have to get a ton into the background but just like what was the reaction and the feeling in the house when you had heard like pika was not going to be able to race like what was that environment and culture like because i can imagine that's quite a shock to you know maybe the proudest buggy tradition that there is well, there was like a, a good one to two weeks where I was convinced that we were still going to race, like that what was going on was so out of control, dumb, that like there is no way that, you know, someone like Jesse wasn't going to help us, you know, bypass whatever was going on. Um, at one point um, in chairman's meeting, I uh, I got up in front of all the uh, uh, the people in the meeting and basically like talked about what was going on and gave my little spiel and asked everyone to sign uh, a letter to all the people involved, like the, uh, what's it called? AGCSB and uh, student life and all those places. And, uh, and it was really nice. Everyone that was there signed it, you know, multiple people from each team, except for spirit, but, um, it was, it was really nice that uh, everyone came together to kind of support us at that time. I think another thing to add there is there were, I think, three separate like rulings on incidents that had happened throughout the year. And so as things changed, there was appeals. It was really hard to know what was actually going to be definitive and final versus what was just an interim thing. Um, and so I think for a larger part of the chapter, like, Gabe, Charlie, David were really super involved in actually what was going on, what decisions were being made. At that point, I was a freshman. And so I was kind of just listening to what they said. And so for the larger portion of the chapter, it was just, we're racing this year, focus on racing. We are going to keep doing what we're doing. And so we just kind of figured that they would solve it. Gotcha. And and I guess, so it was from a management side, like you... I guess I'd kind of been getting word from the university, but was it just something like handed down them from Greek life or student activities or whatever? They just email you up and say, you know what? No buggy this year. And like, how did that kind of play out? Are they like, you can't go into the buggy room or what were the parameters around that? Yeah. I remember it was, it was quite unclear at first. I think there were, we had an idea it was going to happen before we actually got the decision. And that was probably kind of, just due to the HSCSB board being students. So these kinds of things just not staying kind of uh, close to the chest. Um, and so we had had an idea that it was going to come down. 
um, or it was rumored. Although I, I, if I remember, it's been so long, but if I remember correctly, I don't think I thought that would, that could have been the case. I thought there was no chance that something like like a, a kind of Greek uh, appeals board or body had any standing over or something that was kind of absent of or that was disjoint of Greek life. So I definitely had doubts when you know we heard that rumor, but I think eventually we were just sent an email um, and uh, with with kind of the repercussions, I guess, of that appeal hearing. Um, and Buggy Buggy was in there. And I want to say it was over a break. I don't know if it was Christmas break or something of the sort, but we were home. Um, and so there was definitely a lack of clarity when it first came down of, of what the implications were. What And it was, I think it was, you could not participate in Buggy. So your question, your comment about whether you could be in the room, like who could be involved, whether was we could be involved in, in, in this case, you know, some amount of a different team. It, none of that was was kind of laid out. I think the details, unfortunately, had to be hashed out after the fact. Um, it was it was certainly a bit of a mess. <laughs> yeah, it was over spring break that that's what it was. Yeah. First started getting word of it, and I I had stayed back when there was almost no one else in town because we were building a buggy, and I was working like ten hours a day trying to get it done. And then once I heard what they had to say about uh, about race day, I didn't even know what to think. For, for quick background, um, so I think like a lot of the listeners won't know what AGCSB is and how we got to a student panel versus a university disciplinary panel. Right, because I was interested in that too. So it wasn't staff who decided it, it was other students. Yeah, Gabe, Charlie, you were closer to it. Do you want to talk through how that happened? Yeah, I don't remember the exact makeup of the board. It was students. It was, I think it was pe- members of Greek life, but it was not IFC members. It was people that I, I think had in some in some regard, maybe volunteered to do this if there were to be an incident. Um, they were like kind of there for reserve, if I remember correctly. Um, but yeah, it was it was five people, five students from Greek life. Right. So there's a disciplinary action that comes from the university and we're allowed to appeal that disciplinary action, if I believe that's correct. And that appeal goes to this board, which is the All Greek Community Standards Board, which generally people refer to as AGCSB. Um, those folks are from the Greek community. They're trained, as Gabe said, um, and they are then called upon if they are needed. Um, and in this case, they were called upon and they were the ones that actually gave the decision of Pika can't do buggy, um, which led in the question of how does that actually get enforced? Who is enforcing that? Um, is that binding? Do they have that power? I, I think it's something that we hadn't seen before, wasn't precedented. And so it was really hard to know kind of what happened next. Were other things like Greek seeing taken off the table or whatever was like really beyond kind of what you might imagine standard discipline were. It was kind of like, oh, and Buggy's gone. I wish Greek seeing that year had been taken off the table. It was horrible. <laughs> but no, no, I think it was. Your, your punishment is you have to do five Greek seeing shows. <laughs> I think it was one of those things where Buggy is important to our chapter and it was let is, let's give a punishment that will actually make waves. And that did. But but the thing is, uh, obviously, it's important to everyone in the chapter. But I know the people who are who do a, like most of the work in Buggy uh, weren't involved in any of these events that we were getting in trouble for. So they're really punishing like a, a separate group of people. No doubt, I think minority um, in that sense. Like it's definitely a smaller core group, I think, that stays involved with Buggy um, that definitely got hit harder deep how being. <laughs> The, the brunt the brunt of that force right because ultimately nothing was ever buggy related 
Um, wow, that's crazy. I didn't realize it was a uh, student committee. So I guess, right, you've gotten this news kind of shock to everybody's core. Uh, obviously, we end up getting with Fishing Club, but what were those initial conversations like when it's like, what are we going to do? How How is Buggy going to happen this year? From the beginning, I was like, we're going to find a way to race. So once it became apparent that they're really not going to let Piker race and there's nothing we can do about it, it was like, okay, well, how else can we race? And I started looking into like what it takes to create a Buggy team. And... I know the stipulations were, were pretty straightforward. There wasn't any, you know, any hurdles that you really had to jump through. We just had to, you know, be part of a current organization and just like, I don't, I don't even remember. It was, it was almost no, uh, no guidelines on it in terms of like, if you're a club, you can do buggy. There's a lot of guidelines for how new teams start. Um, but in terms of guidelines for, this is an established driver that has already gotten the amount of roles with this buggy. This is a lot of people who have experience. There's, we qualified in every single category besides just team being allowed to race. Um, so I think the main question was, how do we still get the majority or all, hopefully, of our team to race, but Pike and not race? And so I think there wasn't any clear guidelines there. And the folks on sweepstakes, I remember, um, were really, really helpful in working with us and with um, representatives from, I think he's AGSPSB or like Greek, Greek life, um, making sure that we found a solution. Because I think they too were invested in having the best possible race day. And that meant people that had put in the time and put in the effort were able to compete. Yeah, Willie's right. I, I totally forgot about that. The, the biggest thing for them is really just like driver safety mm-hmm. and making sure that, you know, this isn't going to be some new person that's just, you know, jumping into a buggy and racing. So, yeah, like Edward Cow was a sweepstakes chairman then, and he uh, he really helped us, you know, work through how we can get our roles transferred over and have, you know, our driver's previous roles count for uh, the fishing team. Right, because I imagine that would probably be the one of the toughest parts is just if there's some technicality or whatever of like if a person's rolled regardless of who they rolled for, does it or doesn't it count? Um, just how does that work? Like if a driver were to just switch teams mid-year or whatever, like is it just based on the person or is it based on the team or is it kind of so- ambiguous? So it's, it's a, it's a driver buggy combination. So if they were going to start driving a totally new buggy, then they'd be basically starting from zero. Um, how did fishing club club specifically become the club that was picked? Cause there's something just, I don't know, uh, perfect in that being the club, you know, one you've never heard of on CMU's campus or whatever. Uh, well, a lot of people think that that was something that we just kind of like came up with because of the situation, but you know, there really was a fishing club and uh, myself and other uh, pikes were, were a part of it. So it just, it made perfect sense. The, the one thing that we had to do, um, you know, we poured through the bylaws trying to make sure we were going to check every box. And one of the stipulations of a team is that every first, every per- person participating in buggy, whether it's a driver pusher, they have to be part of the organization. So I, I remember there was like a, 
a 24 hour period where we were just like going around getting people to sign up officially for the fishing team, the ones that weren't already in it. And it was like a matter of yeah, it was the bridge. We had to sign up on the bridge and like official <laughs> membership. In. That's wild though, because like I guess they would have to look at like fishing clubs bylaws also of like what constitutes a member or whatever. I, I don't think sweepstakes from my time on sweepstakes, there's really no way we can check membership or we can make rules on who is or isn't a member. It's just if they send us a roster and there's membership shown, I think it's much harder to like get membership for a Greek organization, be recognized by the school, which later years that became a bit of an issue. Um, we can cut that. Um, <laughs> but um, in terms of like how do you actually check membership, um, that wasn't something that sweepstakes had a lot of power over. We just wanted to make sure that we had our members signed up. That makes sense. Right. No, it, it does. Did it uh, lead to actually any increase in fishing trips or <laughs> any people picking up the hobby? Brian Arsham actually did a little thing on when he did History of Buggy. He, I don't know if he ended up publishing it, but I know we had a lot of messages back and forth about the fishing club. And he had, um, he found like their 2010 to 2015 public budgets, um, like performance in tournaments. So apparently it was a very real club that was actually competing in fishing tournaments. I personally, Still did not fish at that time, but happily joined. That's awesome. Um, so cool. So obviously, right, that all, um, you know, you're able to get people on the fishing club's rolls. Sweepstakes um, is able to accept it there. It, it sounds like generally from like the petition, was it pretty welcome in the buggy community? Like, it almost seemed like, you know, historically, Pika is kind of like, besides SDC, the other like bad guy, evil empire, right? It's the Red Sox and the Yankees. But it was kind of like, everybody's like, wow, fishing club. Like everybody, let's get behind this. Like what was kind of the cultural reception to uh, everything you all were doing? It was definitely positive. Um, I I remember one moment in particular when uh, Chris Good from SDC came up to me and he was like, I, I really want you guys to race, you know, because you know, what does it even mean if we're going to win and we don't get to, you know, beat you? <laughs> <laughs> That's the most SDC way of putting that. Um, he didn't say it that smugly, but. <laughs> right. The The message was but relayed. The point is, yeah. That's funny. Um, cool. So pretty much then, I guess. So this was all from spring break to race day. So it was really the big change had to happen in a matter of, couple months yeah yeah so i i was looking through my old emails today actually and uh it was march 24th when we started communicating like the desire to be forming uh the fishing team i, I had a pretty funny email from that day where uh, edward said david power pika's former chairman has resigned from the fraternity and wishes to create an independent team this year called the fishing club i'm sure everyone was just like Wait, yeah, you didn't resign though from the fraternity, or did you? Um, I definitely didn't officially resign. Maybe uh, I, I can't recall if that was supposed to be a requirement of everything that was going on, but uh, I imagine that was like a misunderstanding. Mm, okay. Yeah, re resigned from Pika Racing versus resigned from Pi Cap Alpha the organization. Right. Um, at what point? 
at what point did, I, I imagine, Will, this is on your list, but at what point did we realize that it couldn't be an all-pike team? Because I'm not sure when that happened. Are you asking me? Um, I was just asking generally. Will, I'm not sure if you had that question. No, that's, that's a great notes. question. I don't have the answer for it. Uh-huh. Um, I can tell you. <laughs> um, it was uh, March 30th. Um, we had a meeting uh, with Sweepstakes and Jesse and I think uh, a couple people from the AGCSB. And we went over you know, all the nitty gritty of what it was going to take to make this happen and appease everyone that wanted us to uh, not be Pike. And uh, so that, that gives us, that's only like two weeks until race day. Right. Right. So it wasn't a lot of time. And why, so it was a bylaw that, or was it in the bylaws essentially that fishing club couldn't be a hundred percent Pike or was it just like, Jesse or whoever being like, eh, it seems like you guys are skirting the rules. I think the, I think the latter, um, I think they were concerned with enforcing the, the kind of spirit of the law, if you will. And they had not kind of gone through in the, in the actual AGCSB decision to define what that might be. Um, so kind of back to your earlier question, the, the line really was that we couldn't participate in buggy. If I remember correctly, it didn't kind of beyond say that any member could not participate in buggy, could not participate on a different team, that no team could be made up of all of our members, um, that no team could be made up of all of our pushers, but not, maybe not necessarily our members. So there was there was definitely a lot of kind of just ad hoc, I think, on the fly on, on their end of, of defining what uh, what would appease everyone in terms of this decision and, and still allow us to, to race under fish. Gotcha. So yeah, what was that process like then when you have two weeks? Was there any, was it like you just have to find one person who's not a brother to join or uh, did they set other criteria for that? So when it, when it came down to it, the only difference between a regular race day and the race day that we had was that we had to have at least two non-pike pushers on the team. And that was on every team. So if you had an A team, a B team, a C team, every push team, two of the five at least had to be non-brothers. Oh, wow. Week. Okay. So you had two weeks to find. How many teams did you end up rolling that year? Yeah, David, how many teams did we end up rolling that year? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we had some difficulties qualifying our, our B and C team, so we only raised one. Mm, okay. But you did have, but you did find people to get B and C teams worth. And what was that process like? Just finding, I guess not randos, but like, were you poaching from other teams? Were you just like, that's kind of a crazy scramble, I gotta imagine. So, um, we were fully preparing to roll an A and a B team, so we needed to find four, hmm. and we ended up going into our pool of kids that had gone through like the rush process and ended up not joining, but we still had really good relationships. A lot of my freshman class was on the football team. So we ended up pulling in four football players from that freshman class who had all looked at joining the fraternity, but for whatever reason decided not to. So it ended up being um, Rory Hubbard, Carl Coombe, Quinn Zito, and Tommy Ferguson were the four that we pulled in um, on race day on during prelims. Uh, Carl and I think Quinn were on our, no, it was Rory and Quinn were on our A team. And then we had an injury on prelims. And then so for the finals, Carl came in and pushed, if I'm remembering that correctly. But yeah, we ended up pulling in freshmen from the football team. You know, the interesting thing of 
how everything worked out is, you know, some of those pushers went on to become some of our best pushers in the years. I was going to say, because I remember Carl Coombe's name. Like, he stuck around. Coombe bringing the boom <laughs> is an iconic line. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think that's a, that is another conversation, Deepal, that I think we should jump into because um, what ended up happening was all those guys had a really, really good experience with Buggy. And obviously when you're doing Buggy, you're around a lot of not only your friends, but a lot of the other guys in the fraternity, you didn't really get a chance to meet. Um, And so Carl and Rory ended up joining as members later so that they both came back and pushed on our A-team the following year. And Carl did again after he went on study abroad in 2019 for his senior year. Um, So they ended up, yeah, it was a great recruiting tool. Um, so there was some positive spin out of the uh, whole ordeal for us. That's interesting. Is there anything from that you think that was taken to like recruit, you know, in future ways or whatever? Or was it kind of like hard to just replicate that on a desperation, if you will? <laughs> I mean, the following year, we did have Sam Benger push <laughs> one in the similar vein. So it was, uh, I think it kind of opened a door for the idea of we have a lot of really athletic friends. We have a lot of people that are close to the fraternity that can help us compete. And the competitive nature, at least in myself, was like, I want to make sure those kids get on our A-team. And so what we need to do to get them to join the fraternity, I think Sam was um, a junior that year, maybe a senior that year, the next year. He was a junior. Um, Got him to join the fraternity for the spring semester, see how he liked it. see if it was something he wanted to stick with, go through our initiation process that year in order to then he could also do buggy, which was something he wanted to do, especially he was good friends with Gabe, Mm -hmm. wanted to end up doing buggy with Gabe his senior year. Um, And so it became a recruiting tool that we could use. And I think it was something that was really effective. Yeah, I I think after that, we did make a point to to consider guys to – join in an atypical fashion if it meant that we were going to be able to get them on race day so maybe not following you know to the letter you know our recruitment process but still meeting all, all the criteria to be a brother so i guess then right in that that kind of intervening couple months going up to race day um you're still able to use your buggy room like everything else is kind of status quo it's just everybody's now in the fishing club and like did anything really feel different in, in those couple of weeks besides just dealing with like the bureaucratic crap or whatever? Well, as far, as far as buggy room goes, that's not something that we've ever had the, uh, the pleasure of having since we, since we lost our main fraternity house. Hmm. Oh, so that, right. Uh, yeah. That's not something they can take away from us because it doesn't really exist. <laughs> They're going to make you move out of your room. <laughs> no longer allowed to live in your home. <laughs> So, but, but yeah, it's not, it's not like the school could go and turn our key cards off from accessing, you know, our, our shop. Yeah. So where is the shop? Is it just in the like cages down there or, or is it a secret? That's where, uh, most teams, you know, they have it down in the cages or yeah. in one of the, uh, dorms in the basement, but we're kind of just spread out all out all over the place, wherever we can find a little bit of space. Yeah, historically, historically, the Greek organizations will haven't had on campus buggy rooms and spaces. Um, And so for a long time, 
Pike had one of the bigger quad houses that has a large basement, has space, and they were able to run things out of that main house. Um, there, we ended up switching houses in the years prior to all of us coming to Carnegie Mellon. Um, and so we had to operate buggy from an atypical fashion where we didn't have necessarily like a design space. Um, so I think that was nothing changed from our, from our side of how we prepared for race day. That's wild. So Pike's been really running out of just whoever has a basement or whatever and make it work with that. We had conversations after you guys left. We were having some conversation on my senior of trying to get the space, but I don't think that ever came to fruition. Wow. Yeah, we, we've been talking to uh, uh, to the school for years trying to get something, but apparently they're booked out for like 20 years in advance. They had to reorganize space this year because, or maybe it was last year, um, for like fire safety hazards in one of the shop spaces so they end up having like redo the shops and so we were hoping to kind of sneak in to also have us get a space but it did not work you got absolutely denied on that gotcha that's why that's see that's really impressive to me and that's the case for a lot of greek teams not having their own space i'm almost positive that all greek teams that are not not a single one of the greek teams have a like a buggy room wow that's great i love learning stuff on this show that's crazy props to you guys Cool. All right. So we talked a little bit about, you know, some of the sanctions some of the culture, blah, blah, blah. Anything else you think that's kind of like an interesting story or anecdote or stuff like that kind of leading up to race day in terms of just like that adjustment you're making of going out and being fish club? I don't know if this is concrete, but it's something I distinctly remember was that honestly, in a positive sense, I think the the morale <laughs> amongst the team was, was high and maybe higher than it had been in the past. Like there was, there was some degree of, of kind of like being kicked down and, and, and getting back up, I guess, a little bit in a sense. And, and even people that, you know, were not previously involved in buggy or, you know, it was clearly not one of their main interests in the, in the fraternity um, could get behind that. It was, it was a cause of sorts, I guess it was a calling card for, for, for the group and for people outside the group. And, uh, yeah, in, in that sense, it was distinctly positive, um, you know, leading up to race day when it looked like, you know, once a lot of this, a lot of the semantics were put behind us and it looked like we were going to be able to run, it was, yeah, straight ahead. Mm-hmm. I think another thing um, to kind of go along, not only with inside the house, but kind of outside the house, there was a lot of people in the buggy community that thought the whole thing was really funny. Um and you'll see like Connor Hayes still on race day on the broadcast will wear his fish shirt. And that was types of interactions with the rest of the buggy community that I think Pike historically had not had. Um, I have a lot of conversations with alumni from even five to 10 years before I got to Carnegie Mellon that talk about, oh, Pike in my day was never like this. Like you guys didn't talk to anyone, didn't share any secrets. And it kind of definitely showed a shift as, as I got through my four years. And then I think, Will, you had the episode on the podcast last year where Rob was a part of it and all of the chairmen were like really friends. Mm-hmm. It kind of shows that trajectory of, I felt like Pike really getting involved in the larger buggy community and making friends across many teams. I thought Fish Club in a way was kind of an accelerant to that. 
No, that's really interesting. I, and that's been one of my favorite things, I think, kind of charting as I've done this podcast accidentally is like some of these cultural shifts in terms of rivalries and being friendly or not being friendly or whatever. Um, and I do think he, it was pretty, you know, palpable on race day, just everybody. And I kind of mentioned this earlier, it was like kind of rooting for y'all for the first time. And a while i think part of it too just with like sdc being so damn good but you know a lot of people are like i want to see fish club win just you know i even beyond the politics of it i think there's just something goofy and fun about fishing club who is pika but is the fishing club and you know what you can refer to who as it was it was just a weird chaotic race day um i remember from you know the broadcast and all of that um Anything else kind of pre-race day that year? Maybe we'll talk a little bit about race day then. Uh, I think to kind of add a little bit, it was funny to see some people who have never ever involved themselves in buggy, like actually started to come out to practice and actually were very, very excited. Um, Yeah, I think there's a couple people that I know the guys on this call will definitely remember. But um, yeah, like we had the, the head of technically what was considered the fish club, like very excited about buggy, whereas before he had, adamantly never said that he will ever attend uh, a buggy practice or anything of the sort. And he was out there in full force. So it was cool um, in that aspect. Yeah. I, that's a good point. Like uh, we were at a, a really low spot for, for a bit of time there. And it was just really nice how everyone kind of recognized that and, you know, saw like, you know, all right, we should, we should probably go out there and give a hand. And like you said, especially Roe, he went from, you know, you could barely drag him out of bed to show up once a year to he was knocking on my door saying, like, are you ready to go? <laughs> That's sweet. Yeah. And he was that mainly kind of as a like, I guess, just the community sense in the house was like, hey, like, you know, let's prove them wrong or whatever. Kind of it was, I guess, a way you could positively kind of channel you're working together or something like that kind of an us versus them thing or what was that the vibe i think it was definitely some amount of that it was also just the same as i think everyone else in the buggy community like everyone loves a, a bit and like just kind of having something to to put your name behind and especially if it's not loaded with anything <laughs> like in, in this case it's just a fishing club like i think people definitely played into it and had fun with it um it more than i think anyone could have anticipated it was uh, when it was being formed in, in sort were there any members of fishing club who weren't pike brothers who got into buggy through it i don't think so not that i can think of i don't think so either i think it was yeah, yeah. there might have been had there been more time but I, I, the whole thing you know we went from this being an idea to this being a reality really fast and, and then some kind of you know phase shift or latency between us knowing it's a reality and everyone else knowing it's a reality so and yeah maybe if there was more time that that would have been a thing but i don't know that the kind of situation at hand afforded us that the fishing club really wasn't that big at that point like i'm not even sure how many non-pike members there were i, I can only think of a couple that's probably accurate. I I wouldn't know in detail, but I would say Maybe that. Just Mikowski, I don't even know. <laughs> and I think, Will, that's a big reason of why we ended up doing the fishing club because it was really a pike centric organization. I don't I don't remember well enough, but were like were there other clubs we were considering partnering with or being? 
outside of the fishing club or was it kind of that was the clear choice and it just made sense i think once that was in in the aura of the room it was like that's what we're doing <laughs> i think at one point aguilar did we at one point think about doing a lacrosse club because i think that was we had like a number of people in that and i think at one point it, there were a couple of us that were running it or at least high enough in it that we thought about doing that but i think the fishing club was definitely a little bit easier I think the fishing club made perfect sense because like Roe was basically in charge of it. So, you know, we didn't have to convince anyone to let us do it. Right. That makes sense. Um, how much, that kind of made me wonder how many, did you miss any weeks of roles? Like how much downtime was there between like, you're not doing buggy and let's spring in the action and uh, you know, get, get fish club going. David, do you remember what, were we actually banned from roles or was it race day? Because I, I think we continued to operate not knowing if we could, we would end up being able to race. Yeah, so their their big thing was race day. Um, once everything was kind of in limbo, um, the sweepstakes committee let us roll as Pike with, you know, the option to transfer those roles to another team if that situation should arise. Gotcha. So it was really just a quote-unquote race day, whatever, postseason ban, but... If you wanted to wake up at 6 a.m., sweepstakes was cool with that. I think so, and, I, and this this statement will come with a load of bias and <laughs> in spite. But I think the idea, the punishment, was largely half baked. I mean, I don't know that the true implications of it and the kind of nitty gritty details of it were necessarily thought out before it was dished out. I think it was largely what what Willie said earlier was that they knew that this was something important to at least some part of our organization and some aspect and some, you know, large chunk of our active alumni and that it would, that it would hit hard in that sense. One thing I guess too, kind of in that half bakedness that makes me curious is um, stuff like, right. It's not cheap to do a race day, right? You got to get your truck, you got to do X, Y, and Z. Were you allowed to use house funds onto that? Or like, did you have to launder money into the fishing club to be able to, you know, pay buggy or, or whatever? I don't know if we're allowed to comment on that. <laughs> I, I will say uh, at one point, uh, Tom Wood made the suggestion that we should contact Bassmasters and ask them for a sponsorship. But I don't think we uh, ever got around to that. <laughs> All right. Well, we can uh, leave that at that. Um, I, I guess, are, are you able to say, though, technically the house was not meant to pay for fish for anything that fishing club was doing, like financially? That's that's correct. Okay, cool. <laughs> Good enough. Cool. Yeah. So I guess maybe let's get a little bit into kind of race day. I remember that was one of, you know, the race itself was obviously not necessarily the finish you wanted per se, but just the kind of chaos around fishing club. I think like you said, there was just an extra buzz in the air of people, you know, getting behind it, whether it was, you know, the meme or the team spirit or whatever. Uh, but what kind of was that truck weekend and then race like uh, for you all kind of executing as, as fishing club. So I think we can start on truck weekend. <laughs> truck weekend one, cause truck weekend was so chaotic. Cause there was a lot of things going on we were worried about a lot of things, but up until that point, we had still been planning on rolling two buckies on race day, if I remember correctly. David, I'll allow you to take it from here. 
I, I, will, I will say it was very chaotic. It was hard to uh, keep track of everything that was going on. What uh, Willie is referring to is uh, our B team driver didn't end up qualifying because uh, she missed one, one pass test. We, I guess we lost track of uh, how much time was left in the day. We were going to have her do it on the, the next roll, and they just called rolls, and that was it. So she didn't get to race because of uh, one little thing. <laughs> yeah, it was. I I like to make fun of David um, for that as being chairman, but it is extremely hard to run a buggy program with all this going on. But it was one of those really frustrating things of like we had gotten through all this uncertainty, we had figured out a way to race, we were all set to race, and then our entire B team just wasn't going to be able to roll. And based on the past test rules, we couldn't even roll an exhibition. Um, Oh, and really? so it was, and even then, so it was a couple of the kids that volunteered to come join us and push for us, didn't get a chance to push on race day. Um, so it was just a little bit, I, I think it was a little bit frustrating. So, but yeah, it was a wild weekend just in terms of trying to get ready for race day. Right. I, I know you mentioned, were, were there other, you said you're worried about a number of things. Were there other stuff that was adding to the stress or the worry uh, in terms of kind of just being able to execute, you know, with a clear mind? Well, there's just, there's tons of little things that go into race day. And, you know, some of them, you know, we prepared the same way we would usually. And then there's other things that we had to completely, you know, redo, whether it's like making t-shirts, um, you know, stuff like that. But uh, people that you wouldn't expect kind of came out of the woodworks to help with those kind of things. One of the girls from our female push team uh, kind of took over the t-shirt the thing. I think also that it easily overlooked, David mentioned at the beginning that he was just finishing a buggy over spring break. Um, and that was like definitely an, an added bit of chaos to the end of the year. He was largely loaning that, that effort, um, loan manning that effort. and. And um, just having to do the initial kind of uh, qualifying runs um, with a driver in that buggy, um, that buggy being late. And I, I want to say that we were not getting as many runs due to weather that year as we had anticipated. Because mm -hmm. um, the truck weekend thing, I remember us not ever anticipating we would be there needing to do pass tests. Um, and I think there were quite a few weekends that we ended up losing due to weather that, that kind of threw a wrench. So on top of all of this, there was just some, some normal stressors that maybe would have been, a you know, we would have taken a little more in stride. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just a lot of, it was a lot at once and, and a lot of, a lot of responsibility falling on David, particularly at once. So, sure. yeah. Yeah, we, we had never really cut it that close to qualifying a driver before. So things weren't really working in our favor that year. The weird thing is we, um, our 18 driver ended up qualifying in both of the buggies, but we didn't have the second driver qualify in either of them. So we could only do one. Yeah, and I think even on the pusher side of things, given that there is like more pushers from possibly outside of the organization or that were at least newer um, to both the organization. There was that side of things and you know, not everyone's as well drilled. Not everyone's kind of been through the process or the bring up. Um, and so you're, you're dealing with that as well. Whereas maybe, you know, a pusher could help out elsewhere. Now you're having, you know, you're 
the head of your pusher is trying to get everything together, make sure people are on the right hills, make sure people know what they're doing, just small things like that, kind of what David was saying, where things you wouldn't necessarily normally think about or have to deal with, it's just on top of it all. We don't. We almost didn't have time to even delegate things out. People just kind of had to stand up and grab. You know, if we if we didn't have a group of guys and girls that were kind of committed to each other, it could have easily just not gotten done. Yeah, I think it was it was definitely one of those catch twenty two cases where you don't have enough people to get everyone up to speed, but until you get everyone up to speed, you don't have the hands necessary. So exactly what David said, and a lot of the new guys, um, especially. Uh, the, new, the new pushers just kind of bringing a lot of enthusiasm that made up for some of the kind of maybe newness to the, to each of them. Um, and, you know, yeah, people stepping up and, and kind of pulling their weight plus more uh, to get us through through all of the, the night practices and capes and qualifying and truck weekend, just kind of all coming to head at once. Sweet. So, yeah, I guess let's talk a little bit about race day, you know, obviously not great finishes there but if you want to just talk through kind of you know what that day was the experience the emotions the highs the lows like how did it feel you know just knowing that you got there um and then actually watching it all unfold um well i will say that the year before we you know we had felt like if uh things went a little bit differently that we we could have taken home first place that year so we really want to just get the opportunity to come out and, and show what we could do again. Now, the way things ended up, you know, we were, we were pretty far away from, from first. Um, and, and, you know, our Hill five pusher, unfortunately got injured, uh, during the race, but, you know, I'm still happy that, you know, we got to do it and everyone got to participate because it would have been way worse. If we just couldn't participate. Yeah, I think to, as David said, um, building into the chaos, so our Hill 5 pusher had had a previous hamstring injury going into race day. And so we had the tough question of, do we have someone that is recovering from an injury and is probably good to go, but might not be 100% versus bringing in a brand new pusher that has never done that hill before, that isn't trained in our organization, who we just know is really fast to then have, throw them out there on our A team and just have them do it. We ended up I we ended up making the decision to have our normal hill five run and he ended up retweaking that hamstring during the hill. And that's just one of the unfortunate things that kind of happened with Buggy. Um but yeah I think it was it was definitely a good feeling actually showing up and getting to the start line and being able to race after everything that had happened. You know, it was really exciting for the house. I think a big part of wanting to get it done for me too, was having that sense of continuation into the next year. You know, I felt like if we have all these people not, if they don't get to get the experience, it's going to be hard to build on anything for the next year. And I feel like the way uh, things played out over the next you know, three years, that we really uh, kept that ball rolling when it, we could have easily dropped it. 100% agree. Yeah. Like, that year was really a springboard for what the next three years would be because I think a lot of the time in our house, Buggy is ran by a few people and a few people feel ownership of their specific thing. And the rest of the general chapter, just tell me when to show up 
and I'll do it. Versus that fishing club year, there was so much to be done. So many different people had ownership and got excited. And moving on to the next year, when Charlie took over, we really took on like a back to basics approach and people were bought in and people said, I know my role, I can do it well. And it became a much more of a house effort my second year than it had been my first. And I think a lot of that was due to how we had to come together during the fish club year. And just that turnaround kind of from my year one to year two was really exciting to see because it felt like we were so far off the, off the pace after that fish club year to being right there in second next year was kind of a big turnaround. Yeah, no. Cause that really was kind of, obviously we, we know what happened in 2019, but like that stretch of the next three years after that is probably the best pikes looked since kind of the late two thousands. Um, and so, so in your opinion, that kind of in some ways is attributable to just, I guess, obviously not really overall a good thing with Fish Club, but like it did maybe gain some kind of just like focus and um, dedication from the house or something like that. I think that's maybe motivation, but I think largely fair to say. I think it, it certainly, I don't want to not credit the, the individuals, it certainly required the bunch of people that we had in, in, in the younger classes at that point to kind of take on those roles and to carry on that work and and to be enthusiastic about it. But yeah, I think culturally speaking, it definitely wasn't a negative thing in a sense. It definitely kind of rounded everybody up under a, a common cause, if you will, for, for that year. And that had some lasting effect. I mean, I know that it's very nice to be able to do something that the school said we couldn't. So like, I, I mean, personally, I know when we were doing it, it was like, okay, like this, this, this is great. Like we're able to do this. The school said we couldn't. Um, I know we had, back and forth on many issues at the school and to be able to say like, ah, you know, you said we couldn't, but we found a way around it. That was definitely something some people in the house rallied around and said like, okay, like I'll be a part of it for that. <laughs> right. No, I mean, I, I, I can totally get that. It, it gets back to the whole, you know, we mentioned earlier, I guess poor execution of the punishment or whatever, where, you know, obviously, you know, some serious things went down, blah, blah, blah. But like, you know, it wasn't buggy related. And at the end of the day, it's just kind of a weird story and how you did it with kind of these extra heaps of bullshit you had to kind of wade through or whatever. But, you know, it is kind of a testament to like, I guess, just the buggy spirit of the organization and how much, you know, it means to you all and to the house that like, okay, we are going to find a way to make this happen. Because ultimately, right, I think it's a very positive thing of like, it brought everybody together. <laughs> you guys put in a lot of work and it's, it, you know, it's gratifying to see that. Yeah, very true. Very true. It was it was definitely a, a positive outcome out of something that, you know, might not have been um, if it had gone elsewhere. Or, you know, we hadn't figured out a way to rally everyone around it. I think another interesting thing, kind of that what you said, Will, made me think about was because buggy is so important to not only us who are in the chapter, but Pike as a large organization, including our alumni, we had been after the winning streak in the two thousands, Pike had not had any really good, significant performances. And I think general interest level from alumni had been going down. And that was kind of the rock bottom point where we thought it was funny and like, cool that we got to race, 
but the alumni really were not happy because um, they like to go back to Carnival and it's a reunion and you can see your chapter and suddenly your chapter is not represented. It is the fishing club. And so there was a lot of discontent um, within our alumni. And so that kind of put on another layer of we need to right the ship, we need to fix things, things need to turn around, so that it kind of set the stage for why next year was such a big deal for us of being able to come out and put a really, really good performance in one of our best finishes in the last decade because there was internal pressure um, from within the organization, which I thought was interesting. Cool. Any other reflections, I guess, just broadly kind of on that season uh, things you learned from having to kind of go through the whole fish club ordeal. My only other thing was wanting like the idea of having non pike brother pushers. Um, that was kind of the first time it had happened. Um, and once that door had opened, I didn't see why it needed to close. Um, and that's a conversation that I've had outside of buggy outside of pike of we are trying to grow the sport of buggy as a whole um a lot of to a lot of campus buggy is not very accessible buggy seems like something where you have to join an organization you have to wake up at 6 a.m and for to have a race one day a year during a time that most people are just partying right for a lot of folks that doesn't seem like a good deal or you have to join a fraternity and if you don't want to do that that's really difficult in order to grow the sport, there needs to be ways for these people to experience race day, to experience buggy um, with their friends, with people they know and want to be around without having to make that year-round commitment. And I really do think if the goal is to grow the sport, which I think for a lot of people it is, there needs to be consideration to have non-Greek pushers be allowed to push on Greek teams um, because it will continue to make one, the sport more competitive, but two, really start to grow it as a whole. If you see organizations like Signu and Fidel, they're having a lot of difficulty with um, involvement. Opening up their doors will help them be able to get people on the course. I think it's just a conversation that allowed me to have because we showed a way that it would work. And it would also lead to people being really involved and really excited about Buggy, helping recruitment, helping our chapter as a whole outside of just the Buggy piece. So. Um, that was one thing that was a big reflection on the year for me. Yeah, I did find that inversion very interesting where it's like all of a sudden, oh, you can't just have brothers. You have to go find other people to get on the team. And then the next year it's like, oh, no, it can only be your people, you know, swap it around because it is. And maybe this is would be a fun episode just to debate about something like that because you do see, right, with SDC, it is – you know, it's just a fact there. And CIA even is really taking advantage of it now too, right? They can recruit the entire campus. I don't know how many people are in, you know, a chapter at a given time. I imagine it's maybe a couple hundred. We were at, what were you at, the, in the 50s that year? 40s probably. 40s? 40s or 50s, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. And Yeah. And it, so if you put together an A, B, and C team, that is 15 of your 45 guys that are, out there running and if someone's injured or someone's on study abroad that just continues to dwindle your numbers that's who's going to be in the truck who's going to be flying it, it's just really difficult and so it's a conversation i think absolutely needs to be had of how do we grow the sport moving forward um well cool uh i, I guess kind of just open up to some broader reflections i always like to ask the guests just like 
things you think you learned from buggy or like life lessons or, or stuff that sticks with you um, can be related to fish, buggy, pika buggy, whatever. But I always, I always like to just get these from people. I think uh, a general sense of um, things and I guess like the physical the things that are tough physically in life are just frequently not as bad as waking up at 6 a.m., potentially after a few too many beverages, potentially on like an hour of sleep, <laughs> freezing, you know, not not properly dressed, you know, putting putting a show together, um, trying to keep everything running smoothly um, when, when effectively everything is fighting against that. Um you know, all for back to what kind of Will said, just your your goal is often so far in the distance. It's just at the uh, one race at the end of the year that you hope everything falls into place for. And, and you know, f- to have those two years where it simply did not fall into place for us at the end there and, and to have kind of morale be, to also Will's earlier point, at a, at a kind of all-time low around that point at some point. And, you know, it's, <laughs> I guess I, I don't know if I consciously always do it, but I often just use this and generally speaking, just to think back and be like, okay, there are like, you know, tougher things, tougher things that we've been, that we've all been through, I guess, you know, more long distance goals. Um, and it, it helps kind of, uh, I guess, neutralize some things in that sense. So I don't know if that's a solid concrete takeaway, but the, the overall kind of push towards in, in this context, a three year push towards getting a finish that we were happy with. Um, was uh, is something that you don't always have to do, and is is a good ground point to to reference back a lot. Yeah, I'd echo Charlie uh, on that. And you know, nothing ever seems as bad as as waking up after no sleep <laughs> for like the third weekend in a row, and then like freezing cold, and then having to go manage a bunch of people that would rather not be there. Sometimes, yeah. I mean, if you take that, everything else seems relatively easy in life. So it does help to to have that experience to know, you know, okay, I've been through something worse. Uh, We can do this. I think another one would be the importance of glue people, glue guys. Like, uh, (laughs) I I think at least, I don't know if this is consistent with other orgs, but I think we've kind of hinted at this a lot. And, you know, you don't always have collective buy-in. Um, but there's times when you get collective help in that sense. And I, and I think that definitely, you know, relies on people that are glue guys that keep, keep everyone together that, you know, someone can either route or get behind for, you know, any re- number of reasons just to support them as an individual, just to support them because they know how much they care about something, support them just because they respect them and they're asking them to support them in that, in that moment. Um, yeah, I think it's something that a few few glue guys can keep a, keep the whole operation together and keep the the whole the whole motor turning in a sense. And um, it's yeah, it's a, it's a good example of that, I think. Yeah, and that's one of the biggest things Buggy taught me. I go one hundred percent because it taught me a lot about communication and trying to work with other people. I think a lot of the way that, especially the later years when I became a leader within our team. I'm a very direct and often abrasive person. And that does not, a lot of folks don't respond well to that. Um, And so understanding one, how to better, because also like these are some of my best friends. And so it's like, yes, it's 5 a.m. Like I'm frustrated, but how do I walk that line of understanding 
how to effectively communicate and get people to show up or get people to do things while also still valuing, valuing their contributions and what they're bringing to the table. I think that was something that was difficult for me and I learned a lot kind of about myself through the process. Um, so yeah, I am eternally grateful for some of the folks in our organization that had those skills that I didn't and were able to uh, pick up the slack where I, uh, I left it. But... I definitely agree with that. I just, it's, it's really hard to manage all these different personalities for such a, like a complex event. And uh, you really got to get creative with, uh, with how to motivate people sometimes. But uh, it can be rewarding if you can make it through. I think the last, for me, the last thing Bucky taught me, completely switching gears, um, is the attention to detail piece. Um, when looking at, especially my senior year, with how close we were to winning that race, I think every single person within our A-team, within our mechanics, every person that was involved Buggy could have thought of one or two things they could have specifically done different that could have led to us winning that race. And so obviously that's a really tough thought to have, but understanding that making sure you are putting in the time and effort to get down every single detail. And if it's the night before, making sure you're all together and going over film for the day before, making sure everything is perfect, like whatever it might be, doing the things that seem difficult then ultimately to have a better performance when it's actually time to perform. I think that is something that will continue to be something that I need to use in my professional life, right? Of how do I prepare? That's a good talking point to have now. You know, I'll say one of the hardest things for me was always getting people to do things that seemed like they, they're not going to matter. You know, it's like, this isn't possibly going to affect the outcome of the race. But now we see that those things can build on each other and and they can affect the outcome very good all right last question any of y'all still fish any prize catches i feel like aggie you're the most likely i don't think i fished since college no roe the guy who's who was uh robert the guy who was running it at the time or, or kind of helping run it at the time that was our our in he still fishes frequently so there's uh yeah there's still some through line there <laughs> the uh the fishing club is still on campus though and thriving uh, i got i think it was before the pandemic saw a article in the uh the tartan uh, that they had uh placed in a tournament in like local fishing pittsburgh fishing tournament so glad to see like <laughs> the, the legacy of success i looked it up champions. earlier and it said that they have 44 members this year so not bad they also had a low point thereafter the, the, the boat got totaled almost. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's a, it was a big insurance deal. It took like a year to get the money. Wow. This was at the year after it was, they did. It was a year or two after. Oh. Yeah, it was a year or two after. The, there is no fishing club without the boat. <laughs> None of this happens without the boat. What was the genesis of the boat? Like, which did the did Roe leading the fishing club come first or did he want the boat? And that was the determining factor to him doing the fishing club. Uh, he definitely didn't lead it. I don't know if he was part of it when, uh, what's his name? That he, that, uh, yeah. When he was 
got the money to buy the boat, was looking to buy the boat. I don't know if they were working together on that effort, but yeah, I, I would echo there is no fishing club without the boat. <laughs> I do know that they, you know, clubs, you know, make a budget and they uh, submit it for approval by uh, student government or whatever. I don't even know. But I do know that they, they basically just asked for it and the school said yes. And then they bought it. Wow. That was also maybe my fault. We like raised the student activities fee when I was there and I was president. And then we just have way more money than we Yeah, and then it all with. goes to so, STC buggy. Thanks, thanks Will. Club. Appreciate <laughs> it. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's another topic for an episode is how I ruined the sport of – it was actually John Mark's fault, who was at one point uh, Pike. Every single know. year that they win, Will, I'm blaming you personally. Just so you know. All right. Fair enough. I'm, I want someone else to win. It gets boring calling Me too. winning all the time. That's like 2019 was like the – best race i've called maybe ever um no offense obviously it didn't shake out the right way but it was exciting at least um cool it's been uh (laughs) very fun talking about all this um and yeah appreciate y'all uh thanks for having us thank you so much we appreciate it